Storm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. My name is Trevor Scott, and I'm putting on a voice, and here is Ben Slinger as well. It started off kind of ASMR, and then it went into, like, Muppet Radio, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yes. Uh, hi, Trevor. Hi. What are we doing this week? Um, so, we're going to actually go into some games that we played this weekend. Yeah, now, this weekend was the Global Game Jam, and these are games that were all for, all made just this weekend. Yep, so we have uh, we've played through a bunch of the games from the Game Jam. Uh, so you probably won't have heard of these, but they're very uh, these were sort of our pick, our pick of the Global Game Jam 2022. Mhm. Definitely go and search for they, them. They may, they may be very hard to find because these, the, these, these are like- mm, These are some of the obscure- This is actually- the, This was- We sort of visited the underground game jam. Uh, it's kind of a, a little subculture of the main global game jam. Yeah. And this is like- It's like the- uh, It's like the, the, dark, the, cool the dark web. Hang out. It's a, Where all yeah. the cool kids hang out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. So, Trev, I think you had um, the first game that we played that we were going to talk about. Yep. Amish Fury. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, this was a good one. I think it was a team of just uh, two or three people uh, who put this one together. And yep. uh, no, I, don't, I don't really see how they got the theme in, but it was still fun. Like, you start off with the barn building, of course. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty typical, but then really takes a... Really takes a... Well, it takes a know, turn a because... Turn. It, it goes very meta because you do build the barn and there's a whole kind of nice 3D system of building up the barn. You can choose colors and different things. and But then, you know, as we all, as we know, generally the Amish don't, don't use you technology. You can also choose beard lengths and all those sort of things. Oh, yeah, there's like- a great sort of character creator and stuff in there. The Amish generally, I mean, I, I don't know that this is entirely accurate, but in popular culture, the, the whole thing with the Amish is they don't use modern technology. Mm. Uh, and so, when the people in the game realize that they are in a computer game, it gets very meta because it's against their religion to be involved. It's, in it's all about the fury that they they go after the they go after yes, the game. They get very angry. Developers, yeah. So it becomes this real meta exploration of uh, using you know, digital games and, and how they fit into the world and, and particularly uh, within the Amish community. Mm-hmm. I thought they used volumetric clouds in the most innovative way. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it felt like when, when, you know, the sun was rising and you could see, you know, all the fog in front of the barn and all this sort of stuff, and it was just- Well, and just the way they tied it into the gameplay- mm-hmm. As well, like that, the way that the the fog really hid uh, the Amish people as they were hunting you. Yeah. And, you know, you just get a glimpse of beard or a glimpse of, you know, petticoat amongst that fog. Mm. Just worked really well. Yeah, you heard, you heard the, um, the horse whinnying and then out of the fog came, came you know, a a horse and carriage that mm-hmm. just, you know, took out yep. those developers in that final scene. Yeah. I've got shivers right now thinking, like, it gets it gets spooky. For having been done in a weekend. In a weekend. And they got, they got like, 
a good 20 minutes of gameplay in there. Like, Yeah, I don't know how they managed it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know that in the 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 dark deep 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 dark web game jams they use some sort of dodgy uh dodgy tools and things that maybe give them a leg up but yeah i mean i i heard that there were some people this this weekend that used uh, like a video game name generator and just clicked the button and they got some names and that's how they how they I came mean- up with the game that's one way to come up with game designs, I guess, but we wouldn't stoop that low. Uh, so, anyway, let's talk about the next game. Uh, mm-hmm. Chocolate Mushroom Dancers was yep. a highlight yeah. of the jam. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, the duality of chocolate and mushroom, you know, two two, to- two tastes that really shouldn't go together and they become best friends. Like, Yeah, and, I think that's definitely where they, brought, where they brought the theme into it. Uh, what I was really impressed with was the chocolate, fa- the physics on those chocolate fountains, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that the mushrooms would like walk through or you could control the mushrooms through it. Like it was pure, all purely dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. and then they would end up with that chocolate, you know, coating, uh, before coming out onto the stage, just visually a feast. What, what did you think about the side plot about the termites taking out the stage? I mean, for one, again, impressed that they got that much depth of of plot in there in a weekend. Mm. I mean, um, here I was coming in expecting a dancing game and all about the dancing, but after each dance, you had a little bit more of that side story of the termites and and what they were going through taking out this stage. I think what they were going for is it was almost a second layer of duality in there because under the stage, it was just, it was the musty dank dirt where mushrooms usually grow yeah right and so it's kind of these mushrooms are using the chocolate to kind of propel themselves up onto the stage into the limelight uh into the spotlight and and be more than they usually are and these termites were trying to bring them back down to and put them mm. in their place and you know that were they were the villains they were the villains of the piece in that way because i suppose the only thing i didn't like was, was the janky controls like yeah yeah, that's true. They didn't really get the rhythm stuff working. It didn't feel good. It looked amazing, but just it didn't feel as as tight as what I wanted it to. Yeah, it definitely felt like you could sort of lose without knowing why. But then again, I did notice that things got worse for chocolate as they melted because those lights were incredibly hot and the fact that they got the melty physics working so well it makes me wonder whether that was intentional. The fact that, huh? Yeah, it could it could be, and I mean that kind of plays into the theme as well around you know once you're in that spotlight and and people are watching you, the the facade you've put on you know can't last forever, uh, and eventually it melts away, and all you've got left is who you actually are. So mm-hmm. in that case, the janky controls are pretty genius. Yeah. <sighs> Wow. Yeah. I can't believe that we just- we came around on that, like, so quickly. The fact that- I just hadn't thought of it in those terms. Yeah. Sometimes we need to sit down and talk about these things before we bring it in front of everyone and don't have to go through, like, this- Well, you know what, though? I whole- feel like our audience appreciates the honest emotions- Yes. Uh, that come from this uh, discussion. And the journey that we, that we go on. It's as, it's as if we're coming up with this on the spot, but we're not. We would- we would never- Another food-related one now. 
pathetic ice cream versus Capcom. Like, a fighting game. In the vein of Street Fighter, Street Fighter versus Capcom, and it was just... Yeah, well, I, th- I feel like the these guys must have shared the melty physics uh, with the other team, or at least used maybe they used the same package or something. Um, because the way those drips came off the ice creams, you know, as as uh, Hadouken hit them. I've got to say, it was weird that all the Capcom's finishing moves was just to eat the ice cream. Like, I mean, it did make sense when you're fighting against a food item. Um, it was an interesting choice as well, and and I guess this maybe is because they ran out of time, but that most of the time instead of fighting Capcom characters they had you fighting just this big guy called captain com yes who i don't th- i think is an original character he he looked very similar to that old like captain comic guy from the oh, m- ms dos must- game from you're many right, years ago you're right so. you're right you're right i think that must have been what they were going for i can't believe they didn't make that connection that was like one of my favorite games when i was a kid yes and if you haven't played it like captain comic is is like incredible <laughs> oh yeah that's that's a game that we actually definitely didn't make up and is a real game that is out there that you should go and play yes i know that sounds really <laughs> ambiguous but it is very ambiguous but anyway um uh, yeah uh, I, think, I, I think i didn't like i also didn't like the um the do you call it cannibalism if ice cream eats other ice cream it, it kind of well, and it's, mm. it, it's interesting because is it just a swirl then? Like, because the, the mouth was on the cone and then it's the ice cream, but doesn't that just make the ice... Like, is, is that just, like, how they get the chocolate center in the cone Incorporating the ice cream into, into like, the, the mega ice cream that you end up coming, uh, coming up against as, as a Capcom player in the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure whether... I mean, I, I don't think we should be reading too much into this one. They, unlike the last game, I don't think they were trying for anything deeper than just, Haha, it's funny to have ice cream fight something. But, uh, but yeah, that, that was an interesting thing around the cannibalistic ice creams. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a duality thing of, you know, what happens if you combine two ice creams and, you know, you get better ice cream. I mean, yeah. The game shows Obviously. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what was your next highlight? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I definitely wanted, so many games. I definitely like, wanted to talk about cybernetic STD in my pocket. <laughs> so this <laughs> that was, was a fun one. So I think, and and uh, they definitely took some inspiration from like pocket monsters, like Pokemon kind mm-hmm. of thing, uh, because it was sort of this this card collecting or this collecting game wasn't technically on cards. Uh, it was on like little USB sticks and stuff. Uh, cause they were, I guess because they were cybernetic, uh, and you could plug them into things, but, uh, you were, you were co- collecting these little things and I, yep. they obviously went for, so this, there's a weird thing here for good because STD doesn't stand for sexually transmitted disease in this case. No. Standard, tr- tra- standard transmission device. Yeah. Exactly, um, which was sort of a generic name, but but a lot of them were named very closely to STIs. Um, yes, yes, and STDs. Which so I don't know if they just couldn't decide. They didn't want to make it 
clear they were trying to make it, you know, not too mm-hmm. obvious, but like when you come up against the Chlamydiax, you know, it, it's kind of pretty clear. Yeah. Um, especially that boss battle against his peas. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of an obvious one. But, uh, uh, I mean, this one, look, I wanted to bring it up because it was just so out there. It was kind of gross. Uh, really, like. It was, but it was funny. It was funny. It was funny for a few moments. And look, the gameplay, like, they put a lot of work into the stats of these things and the way that they yeah. sort of work together. Uh, and there was. I, I really liked the fact that there was like that deck. Every time that you went into, into a battle, you, you had that little animatic of all the, all the USBs being plugged into the deck. Mm, yeah. And that was really cool. And that's sort of how you, you decide on who you're playing with. In yeah. this in this stage, uh, is you get that nice little thing of yeah plugging in your little USBs, which means that you can hot swap. Like sometimes you could actually just take out take out like a USB stick that wasn't yeah. Well, there were wasn't fun in there. use and <laughs> there switched were, I, to another. I one. liked the. I very much liked the physicality of that. Where you know if you're uh, oh we ha- we haven't said this yet, but it's a VR game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you got to physically plug the the little USBs, the in, USBs, in. and they sort of played out the thing in front of you. And uh, what I liked is when they got hit by certain, you know, particularly the kind of the short circuit attacks, is they could just like it'd just pop out. The USB would just pop out as they were defeated, oh. and then you were able. to- I was in, in the middle of a battle. Replace. I was it. in the middle of a battle, right? And they did that. They did that whole attack that the, the USB pops out, but. That was the next character I was trying to swap to. And, of course, mm. you know, you got the time limit to actually swap. And I swear, I tried the USB one way and didn't fit in. And I switched it around the other way. And I tried putting it again. It still didn't work. And I switched it around again. They got that three-time turn yeah. working well within the game. Like, Yeah, they made that a gameplay mechanic. Like, that was... I mean, that was just cl- that's just clever. That's just yeah. smart and funny. Yes. Yeah. But not as funny as Cantankerous Spelling Blaster. <laughs> that one, yeah. That was a solo dev, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, though, they were angry at spelling bees and all this sort of stuff. And basically, it was sort of angry words, kind of typing of the dead style, but set in a spelling bee and just, you know... Well, what I found- You used typing to actually fight against other people. It was- What I found funny was that you had to hold down shift. You had to make sure you're holding down shift while you typed all the words. To yeah, be there yelling, was no caps lock in them. You thing. couldn't use caps lock. You had to hold down shift, um, which sort of just added to the, like, I'm yelling at you, kind of like it just added that extra thing. Uh, everyone's angry. Oh, did you realize that you can, when you got the power up, you could hold down double shift? And oh, that's how you were getting those bigger words. Yes. <sighs> See, I, I feel I, they might, I don't think that was one thing they didn't quite get enough time. I think to polish the UI to really give you a sense of some of the features. I think that was just a that was just a like Easter egg. They're like, oh, what happens if you double shift it? I mean, that is the sort of thing that in a jam you'd throw in last minute. Yeah, last minute is like, yeah, just increase the font size, like. <laughs> Well, but I did love how uh, the size of the words then was obviously affecting their mass as they became physical objects. Yeah. And- uh, I mean, that's the beauty about the Unreal Engine, though. Like, they obviously used that that um, that text to 3D yeah. 
thing that you can use in there. Whereas Unity doesn't have something like that, but Unreal actually has it almost out of the box. It's just a plugin, and they just gave it so much mass and like it was crushing the stage. And some yeah. of those people in front of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, well, I, I, know, I loved like the ragdolling on people as in the in you know if if those letters happen to fly off into the audience, uh, you're just taking people out left and right. Yeah, um, but you know you don't care because you're angry. Yeah, it's never really made clear what you're angry about, but it kind of doesn't matter. No. You're in a spelling bee, and you the obviously the guy up in the booth is really really angry because he's just yelling words at people. Like yeah, spell oh, yeah. cantankerous. Like, yeah, and then you have to. That's the name of the game, like C A N T A. Like it's just like it's so easy to do because it's the name of the game and it's always at the top, but it's always the first word. Yeah, I mean that kind of just sets the tone. But then again, the the idea that you actually had to type in cantankerous spelling blaster to start the game was kind of ingenious. It's all about it's telling you that this game is about spelling. Well, and I found it funny that. Uh, in the way that they did it, where they just they had that written on the screen, and then there was just a big flashing cursor. Yeah, no other instructions. But like, I thought that was clever. Like, that's cool. Just I tr- I tried start. You tried typing start. Type yeah. typing start, and it didn't work. I tried typing settings, and nothing came up. But I typed in credits, and that's when like it went through like. A single because it was only the one guy that did it. Yeah, uh, you know, it just went <laughs> it went like a it's single credit name. of everything done by this guy. Yeah, and it just went just a quick <laughs> quick up little thing. Like and again, you you're good at finding those little Easter eggs in in yeah. these games. Yeah. Uh, so another one that I liked, um, and this one kind of had it, just great animation and graphics. Uh, again, Sleepy Gopher: The Resistance. Oh, yes, yes. Kind of a bit of a... Funnily, you'd think it's like a tongue-in-cheek name, but this took itself this deadly. This was pretty sleepy. Deadly <laughs> serious. Well, it just took itself deadly serious. Uh, yeah, and yes, the gopher was literally sleepy. Mm. Had, had, had like one of those little nightcaps on, um, had a glass of milk the, the entire game, you know, a warm glass of milk, you could mm. see the sting coming off it. So, yeah, it was it was funny, but it didn't... It didn't lampshade its funniness. Like, it didn't no. sort of go, hey, I'm a funny game. It's just, here's a sort of bizarre situation. This, you know, classically sleepy gopher walking through as, as this, like, resistance army is fighting back against the government. Yeah. And, you know, kind of accidentally helping out along the way with these in these big events without even realizing. Yeah. Um, kind of almost like a Mr. Bean sort of thing, because, I mean, really- a lot of the story was him just trying to find his bear. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's all he wanted. Like, his little stuffed bear. He couldn't go to sleep without. Yeah, and so he'd get, you know, pointers from character to character, sending him off in different directions, saying, yeah, I'm pretty sure your bear went that way, or whatever, and then you'd you'd end up going there, and it's like, you know, who are you coming to talk to Captain Bear? Are you reporting for duty? Like, yeah, I got gosh. a very Saving Private Ryan vibe from the whole thing. Like, yeah. you could tell that all these people, you know, they kept on joining his crew as as it went. Like, and they're just like, suppose I'll join along with you just to make sure that you don't die out there. And Well, and I think, and in some cases, and the writing was really smart, actually, like, these, these characters along the way joining Sleepy Gopher's cause, thinking- that he is part of this resistance 
when he whatever can, reality is, he just wants to. <laughs> He just wants to find his bear, find some warm milk, and go to sleep. Well, he's already found the raw milk because that was found in the, that was found in the title sequence. Well, yeah, but then we've got to keep topping it up. You got to, yeah, <laughs> as you wake up, you know, as things wake you up, then you need to yeah. get yourself your sleep levels. I've got to say, sleepiness. He, he had some pretty good resistance though, resistance to sleep. Like he should have fallen asleep during that game. Like I mean, I only got I mean, twenty five minutes. Fair, but there still. were a lot of like shootouts and 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 rescue missions going on around him at the same time, uh, even if he wasn't actually paying attention to them. I mean, the duality of trying to trying to fall asleep and stay awake at the same time, it's that juxtaposition of keeping that fine line, so as soon as you find your bear, you can fall asleep. As soon as you, you can find your bear, bear you can fall asleep, but you know, if you have to you know, topple a corrupt government to do it, then so yeah. be it. Yeah. Hmm. It was a good one. It was. Was it as good as Inept Sailor Nitro? Well, I mean, they're so different. The water physics in Inept Sailor Nitro was just... So, I I did like Inept Sailor Nitro, and, and it's true, the water physics were, were really well done. Um... The way that they implemented the mechanics around being an inept sailor, though, I, yeah, I saw what they were going for. I mean, the fact that they made a multiplayer game a la your, your Sea of Thieves, except everyone is just trying to sabotage the boat. Like, it's just... But trying to trying to sabotage it in such a way that you don't realise that they've sabotaged it mm. because they're just inept. Hmm. Well, and it was, there was definitely those, there's sort of Among Us vibes to it in that way where you could, uh, and this is kind of what I mean by, by the ineptness, because you had to ride, and this is, I guess, where they were bringing duality into it, but like, you're either the actual saboteur or you're just inept, but either way, you're messing things up. And yeah. sort of, I feel like they didn't get the difference between that well and like it. Didn't quite get that balance right. Of- I don't know. I, I I played a match this weekend. Sure, we had to use bots because no one's playing it. But um, I play I played a match, and I'm like, I swear I cannot tell who is supposed to be the saboteur along with me because that's the one thing. Mm. Like they had two saboteurs and two two inept sailors, and like. The fact that they don't let the let the saboteur know who else is a saboteur means you gotta you gotta keep your, your cards close to your chest. It's yeah, I think that's what I mean though. I so I mean I liked it, and I liked that they added in that card mechanic, which you had to use to sort of interact with things as well. I mean that was that was the whole nitro side of things, like. <laughs> You know, it, it kicked it into Nitro when when the cards came out in round two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Uh, I, I like that side of things. It, it, I think it really just was that, that you know, whether whether there were saboteurs on the ship or just the Nep sailors, like the ship's going to sink either way, right? That's kind of what I didn't get. Once as an Nep sailor, though, I did make it all the way to Australia. Oh, you can actually hit land. Yes. I'm surprised they put that in. Why wouldn't they? 
Well, just because, like I said, the boat's going to sink 99% of the time, I would imagine. Yeah, but the fact that we made it, you know, true. The the saboteurs just jumped out very early on, and I don't think the saboteur AI works as well as, like, <laughs> as the inept sa- <laughs> Well, I mean, it would make sense that the inept sailor AI would work a lot better because it's just make a dumb computer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rather than actually doing anything intelligent. I mean, one one of the saboteurs just kept on sabotaging the same thing, but it wasn't a mission critical thing. So it was like, you keep doing that, then, and I'll yeah, yeah I'll don't. break the engine and fix the engine, break the engine and fix the engine every now and again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it 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 was uh, it was braver for them. I feel like to re- they 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 reached for the sky, and I don't know that they quite hit it, but it was I was impressed with. Uh, with what they did again in a weekend, you know. Yeah, I think I think that was a that was a four person team though. Had a lot of good art assets, and yeah, they bought, they, they were all brand new. Yeah, they, it wasn't an asset flip. No. Um, one I really liked was Armored Virus. Really. Hmm. Okay. So we played a bit of this one. It was like a, a I, I thought, single I thought it was screen. Very, I thought it was very similar to the to the STD one, like, and the fact that they they came up with the weird names of of the viruses as well. Yeah, but that played out. I mean, the gameplay was so different. Um, like this True. one. This one was this, the, was this is more of a. This one was the single screen like yeah. competitive thing where you're having to like breed the different areas of viruses and kind of have them, um, you know give them the right resources to grow and overtake the other person. Uh, but, you know, the ability then to to add uh, technology into it. So you did have these layers of armor and, and different, you know, ways of overtaking the enemy virus. Mm. I don't know. I, I thought that was... I just... Uh, the fact, I think probably because I've messed around with Cellular Automata before... And that it was obviously using that in the way that this that the virus was growing and spreading. I yeah, know, but just- I, I I kind of found a lot of the gameplay. Uh, I mean, if you can really call it gameplay, given that it was just a match three uh, for half of it, um, it was it was just like almost Doctor Mario esque. <laughs> like at least that's what it felt like. But you, you could you could see obviously you had your garden of viruses at the top and that was determining, you know, which colours you were you were gonna get get next and then what you could send across as an as an antivirus sort of thing or Yeah, look, I think it definitely uh it took some inspiration from Doctor Mario. I think they kinda of looked at Doctor Mario and said, Oh, we can improve this and like improve on with multiplayer and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like they they did well. They took it. They took it beyond and uh, and certainly yeah, getting those kind of wildcard technology drops in there uh, really did mix things up a lot and could really change. You know, if you used it correctly, if you used it right, um, you know, the the laser armor could really turn the tide of the match. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to say that that was actually kind of cool that you could actually choose certain colors depending on. You know, well, viruses. You could choose which virus hmm. you wanted to you wanted to protect at this stage because you could see what they were building up in their garden to attack you. Well, that's it, and just uh, really having to understand the way that the different coloured viruses would spread. 
Um, you know, that, you know, a particular, you know, like that the blue virus spread faster in the presence of yellow. And so, you know, you had to balance that up. If they had too much yellow, the blue is just going to be automatically, you know, wiped out before it can grow. But if you get that balance right, then you know that blue is going to really spread and, and, um, spread quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually pretty cool. Now I think about it as like, there was there was a lot of depth for for something made in a weekend. Like sometimes you wonder mm. whether they started early. Like you know, I think with this one, I think they just quickly came up with, and maybe they had planned this bit earlier, but they knew. I think they knew early on what, what their the types was. what their types were going to be. Well, and it helps that everyone got the theme a bit early this year, but they knew what their virus types were going to be. They figured out how they were going to react to each other, and then they were able to just build it and polish. You know. Mm. We haven't actually talked about this game. I know that we both played it. What did you think of Giant Mind Control Crusade? <laughs> I liked that you can controlled that you controlled a giant floating head. Yes. Uh just kind of floating around. <laughs> just yeah. the- Cuz I I thought the fact that they set it in the Crusades like kind of felt a bit like weird that you had giants and you know, this whole, you know, holy war happening down in, in the little little people's land. I mean, I thought that was an interesting... Juxtaposition or duality of it. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Big and but small. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but just bringing that fantasy, st- like the, those fantasy-style giants into the realistic kind of uh, war that was going on was kind of neat. It did give you the, that interesting difference in scale. Yeah. And and the fact that, like, if if you didn't focus too much on, on the giant head and control it with, with your main character's mind enough, the fact that it would just fall out of the sky and just crush people is, you know. Yeah, well, it was that, that whole concentration mechanic was really interesting. Yeah. That you had to make sure that you had enough of your sort of concentration dedicated to the different, uh, like, spells and uh, actions that you had going at any time. Um, because, yeah, yeah then then keeping that, that giant head up there, you know, whatever it happened to be set to doing at the moment, whether it was giving out, like, the intimidation aura or, uh, you know, healing your own units, uh, if you tried to do too much other stuff, that, yes, it would just drop out of the sky, potentially crushing... <laughs> Your own, your own units as well. Yeah. Um, I thought that was fun. Weird idea to do it in a voxel style, though. I think it worked okay. It may have just been for ease of development as well. Yeah, and that may just just have been the art style of that of that like artist. Yeah, well, that's it. You can't you can't be too picky when when you're you know when you're, you're making putting, putting together a team in a weekend <laughs> for sure. Uh, one that I know we both liked, uh, because we're into point and click adventures, and mm-hmm. again that they got this. I think I know where you're going with this one. Queen of the Prison in Space. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This was fun. I thought it was really funny, and that's that's hard to do in a week. Like it they is. obviously, I think they must have had at least a, like a dedicated writer on this. Yeah. Um. 
I did like the AI voices that they used, and we know that they used AI voices because yeah. we've used that that package before. Yeah, yeah, it was like it was a it was a text to speech kind of thing, but uh, they they tuned it well. They gave each character yeah. different, you know, different voices, uh, and so it you know it it makes sense. You're not going to have a fully voiced um, adventure game in a weekend, so yeah. You know, I like that they even went to that effort of of doing the text to speech. Yeah, well, obviously that wasn't just a just a last minute thought because everything was well well voiced all the way through. I really like the fact that you know this is you know a good twenty minute adventure game. Yeah, they were set in two scenes. Yeah, they there was a lot that they fit into a small amount of. You know, assets. Yeah. Uh, and I think this did come down to- And it wasn't all just dialogue. You know, there was actually no, some there puzzles, puzzles in there. Well, and the way that they changed up the those those scenes uh, as the game went on really added to that. You know, they, they had things, you know, a bunch of stuff drop out of the ceiling at that one point. And it's like, oh, you've got a few more items now that you can- that you can use to further the story on and, and to solve additional puzzles. But they made sense, you know, they made sense for the scene. But yeah, I think I think that came down to just, they obviously, I think they did have a dedicated writer and then I think they only had one artist on it um, and then a programmer. So it, uh, that makes sense to, to try to fit everything in. You know, they scoped it really well, fit everything yeah. in with a minimum of, of assets, essentially. Yeah. Played to their strengths. Really did. Really did. <laughs> sticking with the um sticking with the with the uh point and click adventure. World of Platypus. <laughs> that was that was a cool one. Yeah, that was interesting. It was I guess you would call it a point and click adventure, uh in that it was very much puzzle based in that way, like going uh from scene to scene and kinda Yep. Exploring your area and solving the puzzles. Uh, not a lot of dialogue. No. Choosing when to lay the, lay the eggs. That was always, that was a fun, mm. a fun mini game, mm. I suppose you can call it. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was weird that it was set in a museum, though. Like. Yeah, I don't, were they trying to get to, like, was this a night of the museum thing where this was like a, a stuffed platypus that had come to life? I didn't really make that clear. I don't know. All, all I know is that I love playing that that little platypus. You know, <laughs> that was one thing they got the <laughs> the animation on that platypus was bang on. Just yeah. just worked really well with the movement scheme. Uh, really fun to control. Yeah, it remind it reminds me of another game that I'll bring up next. Like, you know. It, I won't go too much into into the next game, but we'll. Well, if, it, if it's a natural, if it's a natural segue, that's fine. Like, give us your next game, and then I'll. Fine. Nighttime conundrum. Mm-hmm. That game with the assassin platypus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Because that was one of those funny things where you know, there's there's nothing about the theme duality that really. Uh, uh, gives off platypus vibes, I guess, except for their sort of well, multi. The duality of of an assassin and a caring oh, yes. mother, in, like in that, the- in that case, yes. But I just mean the fact that there were two platypus games that we played. Um, yeah, was sort of a coincidence, but 
I mean, I just love the fact that, you know, they 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 took the whole, you know, spur that the platypus has on their back on their hind legs and, you know, they they used that to assassinate people. Yeah, well that was that was clever taking that sort of often little known fact of the uh the fact that uh platypus platypi platypuses are, are venomous uh and building that into the story of the game yeah um i did like some of the- there was only one level though and that was, that's obviously yeah, I mean, time constraints <laughs> for the type of game that they're building like like a third person you know stealth sort of thing um yeah. they did pretty well I, I liked the fact that they took some uh, inspiration from like Splinter Cell, and that you could, you know, do your your split jump and stuff, which you know, but only in the very narrow corridors since you're a platypus. Yeah, very narrow because you're a platypus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the fact that you could go through like the air vents and that sort of stuff, mm. and and obviously, you know, they didn't want you taking out every single guard, but they had such funny animations when they died because I don't <laughs> think they were quite finished. Like they, yeah, well, I think that, you know what? The I guards think they just were going, exploded ra- ragdoll. Like, I think they were going know. for that, like, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but like the essentially animated ragdoll where they combine some animation with the ragdoll physics taking over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they obviously didn't quite get, get it working, but it almost makes it better. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know whether I told you, but, you know, the targets, uh, you know, on the balcony, like he always is mm-hmm. at exactly 12 o'clock, um, I managed to coax a guard over. I stung the guard behind and he, of course, explosive T-posed right, in, right, um, right into the assassin target and pushed him into the river of acid. <laughs> Yeah, well, definitely had some good emergent kind of stuff, even if it was yeah. accidental. That worked yeah. well. Like it, it knew that you that the guy hit the kill plane. Yeah, and therefore, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, they'd obviously they'd obviously built that in pretty well. What was cool is for some reason the guard didn't die. Like he he oh. must have only been stunned. He knocked he knocked the other guy in. Didn't notice that I was there, and, and then- he got blamed and fired. Like that was the that was the end end thing with with this guard. Yep. Yeah. So that's funny. I wonder how they meant for that to go to go down. I guess just if you killed the target while the guard was around or something. Uh, that's again interesting. Yeah. Emergent things come in when you build those sort of systems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that actually reminds me of a. There was another assassin-based game, uh, Contract and Ghosts. Yes, yes which yes, was yes. Uh, quite clever, I thought. Even if the title is a bit weird grammatically, but uh, being an yes. assassin that's already dead uh, was cool. I thought, and and the, yeah. the techniques that that gave you, and the puzzle stuff that they brought into it, where like. You could carry around the big sniper rifle, but like it obviously couldn't go through walls and doors with you. So, mm. you know, you could go through the wall. You'd have to leave the the rifle behind, find a way to unlock it, and get it to where you need to go. So you could take out your mark. Um, that was cool. And then the fact that, that, that was really cool. And then and then the whole thing of you assassinate them, they turn into a ghost. And now it's like a stealth. Now you got to get away before they find out it was you. Yeah. Uh, 
that fight, and I get that's obviously the duality there of just you know a life, life and death, I suppose. Um, but also in the gameplay, the duality of sort of hunting and then being hunted, I yes. thought worked really well. And and the weird thing is that if you got killed, then you became alive, and then you were hunted again. Like it was, it's sort of like you got you got double hunted <laughs> in a row. Yeah, well, there's an interesting piece of lore that they brought in. Uh, where dying when when a ghost kills another ghost, that that ghost comes back to life. Yes, uh, and just kind of is corporeal again and yeah. appears. But the in fact the that they had King of the Hill sort of uh, situations of how much uh, you, you know. Well, I say King of the Hill, but it was like your idea was to be on the hunting the least amount of time and be on the run for, oh, for the most I amount was of time. Trying to, sort of what you were going at. It was like I don't remember Hank Hill. And propane in this game. No, 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 no. No, it's just right. the fact that you it was mean- competitive sort of thing. Because it was yes. only a two-player, multiplayer, split screen. So, we had to actually, you know, be in the same room, which we didn't quite like. You know, we had a big Perspex shield in between <laughs> us. So, that <laughs> we were copying at each other. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that was the downside of the, the, the split screen games, uh, this game jam. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I like that aspect of it. Um, and yeah, that you, you kind of had to, interestingly enough, stay as a ghost for the longest time. Yes. Cause it was all about ghosts. Yeah. Cause that was, that was how you made your money as a contract ghost killer. Uh, now I know that we had a lot of fun with this game hmm. in the lost kingdom sailboat blast. This was, yeah, this was another good multiplayer one. Um, yeah. Obviously, they, they liked the the juxtaposition of of having, you know, this in the Lost Kingdom sort of mysterious sort of land. But then you're just sailboating around and blasting each other with, with like, water guns and stuff. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was almost like they... I wonder if they bought an asset pack or something of, like, ancient ruins and things. Hmm. Um and then kind of just I, I wonder the if they backdrop. had enough seats to actually use that though because normally when you buy those get those cheap asset packs you got to buy one for every single member I'm sh- I, look I'm not telling tales out of school here I'm sure I'm sure they had enough seats for their asset pack <laughs> but uh, cuz I'm we'll, pretty sure that there were some last year that didn't have enough we'll, seats for we'll, some of the assets that they used we'll brush over <laughs> the, the the technicalities of using asset packs and game jams. Free ones, fine. Paid ones that you got cheap out of out of humble bundles. <laughs> you sound salty about it, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Did you sell an asset pack that I wasn't aware of, and people are using it? Yes. It was a Lost Kingdom asset pack, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, it was a sailboat one. Um, it was the and, sailboat. And I, I swear, they've just they've taken my assets and just flipped it. But no, no, this was so much fun because it's a couch co-op, you know, f- two to eight players. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. And, you know, we obviously only managed to do three at a time uh, with who we had there. But uh, I could see I can see how wild this went. And when you did put in the AIs, like, they didn't play that well. But you, you got a sense for how chaotic it could be. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I loved, yeah, I loved the way that- You had to focus on the wind, like- Yeah, that the wind played a big part. If you got caught in that corner and there was no wind, like- Yeah, yeah. And I liked the way they visualized that. You could really tell that, 
oh, like, don't get stuck in that corner because that's a dead spot right now um, until yep. until the wind shifts, you know? Um, yeah. Just and the fact sort of that based on the little particle effects and stuff they had in, going in, on. Well, not just the particle effects, but the awesome wind socks that they had. Like, mm. they had wind socks all, all the way around. Like- yeah, you could kind of tell wherever idea. you were heading past which way the wind was going and that you were going to be able to get a boost, you know, going a certain direction. What I did like is they really got the wind physics down so that- uh, in these particular mazes, as as it were, mm. um, you could actually close off doors and that would allow for, you know, a breeze to continue down the corridor rather than branching off into, into like... Right, yeah, you could kind of guide the wind in certain directions yeah. and change up the, the landscape a bit. Yeah, I, yeah. Did, I did like that. I liked how uh, when you were, like, spraying with these big water cannons that you had uh, that you could really shift the other people then like and and push them into the wind can't you know the the, the wind in a way that they didn't want to go and then they might you know makes it really difficult for them to to get back on track and come back around to to get you mm-hmm. uh yeah really having to strategize like that was cool yeah yeah i know there was just something about like obviously they they really wanted to put some sort of story behind why you were in the Lost Kingdom. Mm. And I think it kind of went against, like, the sailboat stuff was enough. They didn't yeah. need to explain the Lost Kingdom stuff, obviously. I, again, like- they almost it's almost like they wanted to add in some, some lore around why this why they used this asset pack. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's just the only thing they had that, like, had land and trees and different things in it. Um, and they wanted to add the variety. But they could have just added it to that background and not tried to- you know, explain mm. it away. Because then, like, the power-ups that came up were obviously them trying to, like, bring in some sort of, you know, an- ancient spirits. Aztec god. And- yeah. yeah. Um, and that kind of took away from it. Um, I did kind of like that Midas power where you could turn other sailboats into gold because it meant that they'd sink and then they had to, you know, wait for the respawn. It was yeah. sort of like a, a one sh- a one shot kill, you know. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I did also like the the big whirlwind uh, power up that you could get as well, even though it was pretty unpredictable. I thought uh, you were going to say you liked the big whirlwind level because that was awesome as well. Like, well, then they you pretty much just had to continue going around in circles and you know oh, choose yeah, when to yeah, cut yeah, into yeah. the center and oh the whirlpool and get around yeah, a bit well, faster. That was the whirlpool level. Um, I was talking about the power oh, up with the actual yes, like sorry. tornado kind the, of thing. The tornado, William. Yep, yep, yep. Which would like sort of sh- really shift the wind currents in that area. Um, so it was really unpredictable, but it could, again, it could kind of change that, uh, give a real, uh, big temporary change to the level and, and mess with people's, um, directions and things. That's cool. Yeah. That was cool. Uh, your one next. Yeah. Uh, I liked I liked small time tennis tale. Uh, and <laughs> I, I, sw- I swear they they took some ideas from Golf Story and well, and I think a bit of Stardew Valley and stuff too. Like there was definitely yes, there was definitely some inspiration in there for from you know I mean it even just it had the the sort of pixel art with you know this the sort of I guess relatively small characters on the screen. 
But yeah, the, I mean, the reason I say Stardew Valley is that you were because you were sort of building up your own uh, uh, tennis center and mm-hmm. having to restore the courts and you know bring people in. Um, but that it was very much this narrative kind of thing um, yeah. with yeah. the people in the the people in the town and and that sort of thing. Um, it's pretty amazing how how many screens they managed to get done. Like, yeah, they're obviously they got they got the four outside screens and the three internals. So that's I think they must have had maybe just the tile sets pre prepared or something, so they could just like build up those levels pretty quickly. Um, yeah, which is fine. Uh, yeah, what I what I liked is the way that they built the tennis stuff into the combat mechanics. Yes, just the way that you know you had to. That you you could like lob, you could smash, you could do the different tennis moves, yeah. and that, uh, but that would depend on you know the, the type of creature you were attacking would have different defenses and different things. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you got a good bounce off that off the forehead of that big boss guy, remember? Yep. yep. Um, you serve basically right into his forehead, and it hits one of the wrinkles and just <laughs> pops up perfectly for you to smash. You, If you time that right, you yeah. can keep that going and, and take out it. that boss I love that. really, really quick. I love that kind of rally mechanic of just, if you keep that timing going, you can just get hit after hit after hit. Yeah. But it gets faster. Like, mm. you know, they obviously didn't want you to just keep it going indefinitely, but uh, yeah, you, you can keep it going for a while. Um, I mean, we... No list would be complete without Heavy Pony Triple X. I, I mean, I don't think they are. I don't think they managed to. That they only managed to get this one passed is because it was the Dark Deep Underground Web game jam. Yeah, like the the above ground standard global game jam. They wouldn't have been able to upload no. this to the site. No, this this was actually the Triple X jam. Oh, was that going? Like simultaneously, simultaneously, still okay. using duality. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, and really, the, the <sighs> should we say it now that a heavy pony is really just a horse? Like, <laughs> I love that. That's what you're hung up on on this game. Uh, I, I mean, the, the all of the yes, horse sex in the game, fairly graphic. Good physics, mm. I will say. Impressive on the physics. The hair shaders could have done with a bit of work. They all all the horses seem a bit shiny. Yes, yes, uh, and which the, kind the, of the gave biggest, off a weird vibe. The biggest given the downer context. about the whole thing. Yeah, the NFTs. Yeah, well, again, I don't think, given the controversy that Global Game Jam had, that they wouldn't have got away with that with the regular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't say I'm surprised that there were games trying to shove NFTs in there. But, like... But, you know... You, you've, I, it's also I just don't gross. understand their logic. I just well, don't understand their logic. Well, and like, to put naughty fall titties in a game anyway, like, foals are children. That's- I know. <laughs> but, but the fact that it wasn't even the... It wasn't even the heavy ponies, and yes, that is in... Air quotes. <laughs> um, the heavy ponies were weren't even the NFTs. It was the sex moves. It was the it was like the signature the signature dance moves, and you know the 
the weird sounds and audio like <laughs> i don't think they've sold anything like i don't know if they what they expected yeah i mean fuck nfts honestly whether they are non-fungible tokens or naughty fall tds because it's just it's all bad yeah so man and this is the thing about game jam like there's so many just new uh interesting ideas to play that you never would have thought of. that you like- never would have <laughs> would have thought someone would come up with uh so we had you know so much choice but uh so you know we'll keep going we'll do a few more uh yep. the next one i had this was this was a very generic name, but I was pleasantly support- surprised. Carnival Realm. Yes. Yes. As opposed uh, to last year's game that they released, which was veg- like Vegetarian Realm. Like, right, I think, yes. This I think they came up with the idea a- of, the, of the duality between the fact that they did Vegetarian last year, right. so they thought, let's do Carnival this year. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, it, it this- it was almost a monster huntery sort of thing, and I know that. Yeah, a monster huntery thing where you play the monster. That's awesome. Yeah, well, that's it. You had all these all these hunter hunters kind of coming after you and and just taking them down one by one, um, trying not to you know trying to keep as many of your uh, body parts as possible, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and and not and not letting them break, and that it was all about, you know, not letting any of those bloody aerial bastards come anywhere near you. And <laughs> yeah, well, because once they got started, I liked that uh, that they'd send like when they sent multiple hunters after you at once, and you had to really like use your kind of area attacks, and and you know, it, it felt like it felt like you were a monster because you're taking out. And and fighting off these these multiples of hunters at the same time, uh, I uh, thought was really one cool. thing that I really really enjoyed was the the fact that you could take. Uh, I mean, obviously they didn't call them palicos in this, but the the little cat like creatures that were kind of more dog like in this. Mm. But you could just take big chomps out of them, like. Well, they almost yeah, I like they almost became your health potions. They, they were almost popcorn. Yeah. You know, you, you, you just... Just grab a handful Well, it was them. probably more closer to Pringles, because once you pop, you can't stop. Uh, yeah, well, they reminded me... I certainly me, couldn't stop eating those dog... Those. I think maybe it was the facial expression, but they kind of reminded me of, like, the... Um, is it the Porgs in, in Last Jedi? Yes. I think it was just the way they kind of reacted and would run <laughs> around. Yeah, when you try to grab them and stuff. But uh, I, I, I liked that little aspect of it. Again, the whole carnivore thing... Um, like that's just the way you regenerate. Yeah, the voiceovers were really good. <laughs> <laughs> yummy, <laughs> yummy, dull yummy. <laughs> that was my favorite. Like every time, it, it, it cracked me off. It was like yeah. yummy. <laughs> I swear they must have done like fifteen different yummies, and then the, the just, just randomized between just them. randomly. Yeah, chose which one. I definitely, um, had, I definitely had a favourite. It was the one that kind of had a little bit of a trill, almost yummy. Like they kind of like really extended it out. I really like the question mark one of yummy. <laughs> yeah, I think they <laughs> just had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> it was like, hmm, was that yummy? And you could really tell that the monster was thinking at that se- at that second. Did I go? I think one they did too many. The expression, the fonts, like the facial, they just had some just. 
There, there was some good 3D, like, animators on that team uh, throwing those different morph targets to and blend yep. shapes to really shift up the expression on the face. Yep. Uh, could have done with a little, little bit more style in the world, but I understand that, you know, there's only so much you can do, but so much default texture. Like... Yeah, I mean, again, I think they just very, very they chose pro- where to put their the, focus. The world was programmer art, but the you know the well, they, the, yeah, the again, monster they, was very well created. It's it good that they they got that yeah. that one monster and the and at least the one the one hunter and dog model. Well, and done. again for the for the game jam, like they obviously said, okay, we want a big focus of this to be the animation on this on this monster. Um, and you know it paid off in that in that regard. Yeah. Uh, very very much so. Um, another asset flip: mm. Android Square Dancing in the Bayou. <laughs> like, uh, obviously they they had that Louisiana pack that came out a little while ago. On, on yeah, there were Humble definitely Wundle. some mismatched kind of kind of themes. Yes, in this one. Um, and in and, fact, um, you know, Ro- Robbie the robot, you can always just download from the Unity Asset Store. Like that's just a free one, and this wasn't the f- this wasn't the yeah, only honestly, one. Yeah, honestly, I don't think we would have even bothered talking about this one uh, if it if it weren't for so, like some of the more unique mechanics. Yes, uh, that they did manage to implement. I think again, maybe think was this another solo dev? I think it, it might have been. Um, Look, I love the fact that you had to keep an eye on the humidity. Yeah. Because if it got too humid, they then did the Android into- would stop sort of moving as well. So, you had to make sure you got the oil can guy out there to grease him up a little well, bit more. Well, it was really interesting around sort of this, the general uh, stamina of the robots in that way, like the status of the robots, because you had to keep track of your power meter, your battery level as well. Uh, and if you didn't well, make it back to the the recharge and I station, suppose what I really liked is the fact that when I was going into this, I was expecting that you'd be playing the androids, but no, you're playing the operator of this mm. of this attraction, and you've got to keep them maintained. Keep them maintained, and it's that plate spinning mechanic that we quite like. Yeah, I think that's of, really what what made it, you know, something special enough for us to talk about was. Yeah, it was it was that little bit different in that way where you just you had a bunch of stuff to do, um, and I did think the voiceover was again was pretty good in this one. Yes, I think yes. the solo. De- I don't know. If, well, he, he they might have uh, they might have got someone from the sound team or something to do it, but yeah, I think they did because I I think I remember hearing a guy just in the very background. I think I heard. Yummy, just like <laughs> just, just a in bleed, the background, bleed through just, from just a little bit of the work bleed of the other, um, the work so, of the other game. Yeah, that, well, that makes sense. Yep. Uh, often those guys all work together. Yeah, yeah. No, I, but the voiceover of particularly of the robots, and they did some good effect work. Uh, and I love they threw in the like oil can uh, kind of thing yep. when when so, sometimes when they'd uh, when seize up the fact that that was just lifted directly out of. Um, out of Wizard of Oz, like is, I mean, a little lazy, but kind of, kind of in, but- <laughs> kind of in line with the rest of the assets in that way. Uh, yeah. Um, one thing that I thought they did well is they they really used. Um, I think they must have used some LUTs. 
to to just change change the feel of because you know when it got to nighttime mm. and it had that kind of greeny blue wash over it and you know the the real bloom on the on the on the lights on the strings in between the um, mm-hmm. in between you know you had the town square with the bayou sort of in the background and all this sort of stuff sort of like that weird top down view but just the string lights and just the feeling of of the crowd starting to gather and watch yeah, there Watch were. These, I these did Android Square dancing. Yeah, I sort of in this one didn't really pay attention to what, like technically, uh, they might have done to achieve it. But I did notice it definitely captured the mood, like you're saying. Like yeah. they they did a good job of of sort of, uh, and again the sound team, you know, obviously played a big part of it there with some of the background noise and stuff. But um, background noise was great. The it could have done without all the you know what felt like 30 seconds of banjo on repeat (laughs) yeah i think (laughs) again game jams we don't want to be too harsh but it sounds like 30 seconds come on just give give me give me give me a minute well i think i think they probably had a composer who helped them put that together and and you know they were probably working on a ton of other projects uh but um but yes, I agree that that got pretty uh, annoying. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, let's 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 do one quick last one each. Uh, tell me what you loved about it. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I really loved American Techno Empire. It's look. It was unfinished, definitely. But mm-hmm. trying to trying to make a like Empire Builder tycoon sort of game in a game jam is just i have to give it props for that and then the fact that with the techno aspect and building these like i guess like sorry i guess clubs and discos and things uh the way that they had all the lighting set up and that you know you could really you really felt like as you develop these different districts like the way they'd light up, you could really feel what sort of clubs you were putting in different places and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I really liked that a lot. But, yeah, it was certainly- It was pretty buggy. It was unfinished. <laughs> um, but I'd, I'd love to see him develop it into something more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, there's been some great games that have come out of game jams and that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that could be the start of a something popular. Yeah. Uh, and my, my last one for today- how can I go without saying ultra-violent mall rally? <laughs> it was, I think this was... So, a lot of these were more obscure. I think this one definitely got a bit of attention in the last, last couple of days. It, it was just... It was crazy. Like, yes, there's a there's a rally going on in the mall. Yes, it's ultra-violent because it's kind of like Carmageddon. But the fact that you play a, a, just a um, a regular old like person walking around a mall you know going in and buying stuff and keeping out of the way of of the violent rally and trying to keep trying to be the last person alive it, or to at least stay alive it definitely had look it was definitely trying to trying to say something about capitalism while like the rest of the world's going to shit people are still buying stuff <laughs> making that very obvious uh and i think that's i i that's why it's getting this attention as well. Like, I think that's a really, it was trying for some sort of lofty ideals. 
in that. They really shouldn't have left the push mechanic and all the weapons in the basement then. Yeah, the fact that you were kind of able to choose then to take part in the violence, and it yes. was old, like, they say ultra-violent, like, they went all the way with the <laughs> ultra-violence. And I feel oh, like yeah. they could have like, got their message across without that, and I think that's part of why it's become so controversial. And maybe that's what they intended, I don't know. Um, I, I, saw, I saw, like, one of the guys on YouTube playing the game, and, mm. like, they were up the very top, you know, overlooking overlooking the... the first part of the racetrack mm. and they pushed this young father oh, off the balcony and it's slow motioned <laughs> as the guy falls down hits like they go in close on on the rally car as it comes in and you see the head hit the windshield and sort of just oh my face. God. it was really yeah. well done like i mean the fact that they used unreal metahumans like that it looked like real people it like, was well made and it definitely like pushed the unreal engine and the ue5 you know build that's out at the moment to to its limits they they i think they must they must have been some skilled like some i swear uh, they've actual devs they've gone and team. done a whole heap of photogrammetry first they knew what they wanted to do because well and i mean there's a lot of stuff out there with like the quixel scans and stuff that you can get access to yeah, so i think that mall was like it was too perfect it, it felt real yeah i don't think they i don't think they built that mall in the weekend uh, I think it was already built, and okay. they they've been building it for a while, and they just maybe. thought maybe this was their way to like get kind of a, a sneak preview out there of something, or, or just maybe re reusing stuff they're using for some different game. Even uh, could be could be the case, but but yeah, but, but it's it's definitely big on the um, on the underground game jam because it's super violent. You know, not usually acceptable. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people out there playing it for kind of the wrong reasons in that way. Yeah. Uh, like, there were definitely, like I said, sort of the the ideals of, of what the game was trying to say. But as part of that, they sort of let you be the worst you can be and really take part in all that ultraviolence uh, and not really get the message. And a lot of people are playing it just for that reason. Yeah, but then there's some, there's the the opposite side which people are doing the ultra capitalist runs now where they're going around <laughs> right. trying to buy every single thing within the thing because because of course you can just go up and steal people's credit cards so you can just go and like buy everything if you if you still enough credit cards you can basically buy everything in the mall yeah and i mean that's, that's essentially the goal of the game but yes i think just then running it as a as a game like that trying to do a run really misses the point again of but yeah i mean that's uh the game industry for you yeah anyway that was look it was it was one of the better game jams we've uh taken part of i think uh we spent a lot of time play testing i mean obviously that's why our game was so bad that we made (laughs) yeah and look look out for the post-mortem of that game that we made and have worked on and know what it is Yes. This this isn't being recorded the, the week before. Shh, no. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the game game's that's definitely right. happened. This is this is this is the Sunday night and that's and Ben's done a really good job um editing. I got it out. Um uh, we stayed up all day doing the game jam, also playing all the other games, and then I still edited the podcast. Uh pro- you know, maybe a daylight. 
I, I'm not sure where we are. <laughs> we're stuck in time. What's going on? What time zone? <laughs> what time span am I in? <laughs> anyway, uh, we might do another one of these next year for the Game Jam. We really enjoy taking part and, and seeing all the cool games. So, if you did take part in the Game Jam uh, and you want us to check out one of your... Well, the, the game that you worked on, let us know. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, and we might do a, do a real review of it. Yeah, we might do a review of, of that game. Some of the games from the real, uh, the, the above ground. The, the actual, the, the above ground uh, game jam is just. Yeah, the sunlight game jam. You know, the yeah. one that takes place in the upper world. All, all, all I had installed was on my laptop was a, was a Tor browser. And so, therefore, we had to kind of go with what, what we had there. Yeah. Yeah, we had to, we, once we were embedded in the deep dark web, uh, we had no choice. We just had to, to go with that, uh, underground game jam. Anyway, I don't know how, I don't know how to switch a tall browser to, to go to like, you know, the, the normal. Know. You web. have to like turn the onions off or something. Oh, no, it's all layers. Uh, like cut the, cut up the onions. Obviously, turn on the tears or something. Obviously, obviously, the deep dark web is the deep dark web is like ogres. You know, they're they're onions. Yeah. They've got layers. It's like a parfait. So, if you want to find us online, you can go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Leave us a review. Tell us what you thought of this episode. Tell us about some of the if you played some of the underground game jam games. Tell us about them. And what you thought. Yes. We'd love to hear from you. If you like the music that we play at the start and end of every single episode, that song is called Mad Defiance is on the album Containment Failure by the band Kuradust. It's available for free on their band camp. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. I just, bl- I think I blacked out for the last hour, Trevor. What were you- What happened? Yummy. Yummy.